the Lloyd's List Shipping Podcast. Welcome to the Lloyd's List Podcast. I'm Richard Mead, editor of Lloyd's List. The Global Maritime Forum, the organisation behind some of the leading sustainability initiatives in the industry, including the Poseidon Principles and the Getting to Zero Coalition, is founded on the idea that progress happens when people from all parts of a system, in this case the global maritime industry, come together to discuss challenges and work together on finding new solutions. It's a nice idea, but given the fact the GMF's annual summit, dubbed Shipping's Own Mini Davos, is not happening in London next month for obvious reasons, well, it could have been a problem. But our guest this week seems confident that the work is progressing very nicely in a digital format and actually might be better in some respects. Johanna Christensen is the Managing Director and Head of Projects and Programmes at GMF. And this week she talks to our reporter Anastasios Adamopoulos about how virtual brainstorming and coordination actually works pretty well in a digital era. They also discuss how the maritime sector has responded to the decarbonisation challenge and why even the most progressive thinkers probably need to adjust their expectations when it comes to the speed of change heading our way as an industry. So, Joanna, the Getting to Zero Coalition had its second high-level meeting just earlier this month, but due to the pandemic, it was done virtually. Could you tell us a little bit about how that worked, having so many stakeholders chipping in and trying to brainstorm? How was that different than what you normally would do? I mean, truthfully, it was actually not that different from what we would normally do. It was a three-day workshop, um, and indeed the format was that of a workshop. So we had uh, plenary sessions and we had breakout sessions. We had smaller working groups. We had presentations. So a lot of the things that you would have found in an in-person workshop, we also had in this virtual workshop uh, or virtual meeting. And so on many levels, of course, it wasn't that different. Um, we were able to do lots of different breakout groups on the sort of key questions that we wanted to address during the workshop. Um, we uh, were able to do really excellent um, plenary level discussions with, I think, upwards of about 150 um, participants. I think it was about the most that we hit at, at any one time during the three, t- three days for our opening and closing plenaries. And and we were also able to do smaller group presentations and present new findings, for example, around the um, the recently released uh, fourth greenhouse gas study or other new research that that um, that has come to light since last time the coalition met earlier this year. Of course, when we met the last time, we managed to squeeze it in just under the radar before the entire world started locking down. It was in late February. And so it had been about six months. I think the thing that was really great to see is that um, how much has actually happened. I think a lot of um, people assume that 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 things stop in their track uh, when we all go to working from home, et cetera. But actually, that's not at all what had happened. There had been so much progress, and that was super exciting to see. So uh, quite different on one level, not that different on another level. I think the other thing that we found quite exciting about the virtual format is that it really was global. We had participants from all corners of the world um, and maybe more so than we would have had if we had, say, convened the group in uh, in London or in Singapore or in Japan or, or elsewhere. We would have had a, a subset of, of, of the members of the coalition who could have joined, whereas here we were able to bring really pretty much everybody together. Well, it's good to know that, you know, things worked out so well and in some aspects even better because 
you know, right about now in October, you would have had the the annual summit of the Global Maritime Forum, of course, a founding partner of the, the Getting to Zero Coalition. That would have taken place in London. But, you know, that has been pushed back to 2021. But at the same time, you are going to be holding a high level meeting virtually. So given the significance of the GMF and everything that it does, from the Getting to Zero Coalition to the Poseidon Principles and other sustainability initiatives. Can you tell us about what you're aiming to do this year with the virtual high-level meeting? In a way, uh, the uh, workshop that we had for the Getting to Zero Coalition earlier this month was a great test case. We were able to test a lot of different formats that um, were, and, and we were able to figure out, you know, is it actually possible to do this in a, in a, in a virtual setting? And we discovered that, yes, absolutely, there is so much we can do in a virtual setting. Um, I think, though, also that we recognize that for the Getting to Zero Coalition workshop, we have stakeholders from across a range of different um, uh, organizations and companies. Um, it's at a variety of different levels, whereas, of course, our annual meeting usually brings to, together only the highest level of decision makers from, from the different stakeholders. Uh, stakeholders, so uh, CEOs, chairmen, uh, uh, members of the board, uh, senior government officials, etc. So our, our tolerance for risk is a little lower. I'll be totally frank, <laughs> and uh, and uh, and so um, uh, we're we're running a somewhat tighter ship and a little less free flowing than than what we did for the Getting to Zero Coalition earlier this month. But I think there's lots that can be done virtually, and really. Um, when for those who have participated in our in our in our previous events, our in-person events, in fact, a lot of the discussions are not that different from what you would find in other types of familiar settings, say board meetings. Board me meetings continue apace even as everybody is working from home and is unable to travel. Um, they're just done virtually as conference calls or as, as video calls. Likewise, the working groups at the uh, Global Maritime Forum's annual summit Typically, we have a lot of small, small size breakout groups, and these working groups are very, very similar, in fact, to the types of discussions that you that you might have in a board meeting. They're a little bit more informal. Um, they're more focused on 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 uh, on kind of issues and long term issues and strategy, um, perhaps, and sort of the more administrative aspects, etc. But but there, there there are a lot of elements that are still comparable to to what boards might discuss. And so that's really, that's the, that's the element that we've taken, the learning that we've taken with us is that so much is, is, is we can translate from an in-person context to a virtual context. And so, so that's really how we're also organizing um, the virtual high level meeting. Some of the topics that we'll be addressing uh, are very closely tied to what has been happening over the, the, the past uh, six months with the unfolding coronavirus pandemic. Um, so first of all, we'll be looking at sort of some of the long-term economic and geopolitical impacts. And we're, we're really looking beyond the sort of immediate impacts, some of which we've of course seen, um, to what are, what are some of the uh, lasting effects that we, we might be seeing in the global economy and in the way um, stakeholders globally work together. We're also looking at how to build more resilient maritime logistics chains. Um, the pandemic has really revealed uh, a, 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 not, a, a long number of weaknesses in, in the maritime value chain, 
the inability to protect seafarers, um, uh, their well-being, the, their ability to travel, to get on and off ships, etc., to operate digitally in a world of social distancing, um, to avoid disruptions to the global trade flows, and especially those of essential goods, etc. So there's lots of different issues that have kind of come to the fore during the pandemic, and those are some of the issues that we'll address. And then, of course, lastly but not leastly, um, the global energy transition. I think we've seen some really um, big disruptions over the past months um, to, uh, to the global energy landscape. Uh, most recently, we saw yesterday a report out from BP who, uh, who estimates that uh, uh, global demand for oil has already peaked. And, and what, is, what are the key drivers behind this transition? What will it mean for the maritime sector? What do new energy pathways look, for, look, look like for maritime uh, sector? And, and how might the pandemic speed up that transition? Um, so those are, those are some of the overarching themes that we'll be addressing. But of course, we'll also get, go into much more nitty gritty detail. And so some of the topics that we'll be discussing uh, during the virtual high level meeting um, are, are at, a, at a much more detailed level. And for example, on the global energy transition uh, and all the, all the elements that relate to um, to shipping's decarbonization, uh, there's really there's a big overlap between the work that we're doing with the Getting to Zero Coalition and then, of course, the discussions and the topics that we expect to have during the virtual high-level meeting. In terms of perhaps the, the most persistent and probably the most important long-term challenge of shipping, which is decarbonization, of course, you have a very good overview of how the, the industry is progressing in this regard, at least, you know, through the, the many private efforts that are being undertaken. And when the Getting to Zero Coalition uh, met virtually earlier this month, one of the very interesting conclusions was this statement of intent almost towards regulators, which said that, you know, the, this these group of companies that are participating that represent some of the biggest uh, in the world, not just in shipping, but in other sectors, is, is prepared effectively to move forward and sort of surpass the pace at which regulators are going on this issue. So I'm, I'm wondering from your perspective, obviously we have had delays in the IMO meetings. Uh, we're gonna have one um, major environmental committee meeting this year, but how do you judge the work that has been done by regulators so far, where the focus at the IMO now is short-term measures rather than, you know, um, the long-term. Is this process going fast enough? Uh, do we need, should regulators be focused on on tightening and, and accelerating the process? Um, what we hear certainly from the members of the Getting to Zero Coalition, not least the ones that met earlier this month, is that that there's a great urgency um, and that there's a there's a, a a huge ask for regulators to step up and and to to increase the speed and the level of ambition. When uh, when we look at the the the, the targets that that have already been set in terms of the sort of the um, efficiency targets that have been set so far, um, it's certainly in terms of meeting the end objectives. They're they're not enough to get us there. 
And in fact, many companies, including many, many members of the, uh, the Getting to Zero Coalition, have already met or even surpassed those targets. Um, and when you look at the, the ultimate goal that we need to achieve, um, be that uh, in sort of um, uh, the, the IMO objective that be, that's been set or indeed the Paris Agreement, um, the, the, the shorter term, term targets really are not enough to get us there. And so, so one could certainly argue um, for a greater stringency of those targets. And one could also argue for a greater speed of action. I think, though, that being said, in shipping, there is, you know, a lot of the focus is, of course, on what happens at the IMO, and rightfully so. But I think it's it serves us well to to think a little bit about what what's actually required to to decarbonize shipping. And I think one of the things that we often revert to is when we launched the Getting to Zero Coalition at the UN a year ago, uh, Jacques van der Meyeren, the CEO of the Port of Antwerp, uh, said, well, shipping's decarbonization, it starts on land. And that's so true. It's really about, uh, the real challenge is really about finding the zero emission alternatives to the almost 300 million, million tons of uh, oil that's being used by ships every year. Maybe not this year, but on an average year. <laughs> um, and 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 so really a lot of this is about collaborating with other, you know, with with sort of the upstream side of things and about um, putting in place the energy supply, the the zero emission energy supply that that shipping will depend on to decarbonize. And much of that can be done outside of the IMO as well. And we're seeing a lot of action. So there's a lot of cause for optimism there as well. So whether that's an EU hydrogen strategy that was announced um, uh, earlier this year, uh, quite recently, in fact, um, which specifically mentions the possibility of, uh, of um, building out capacity uh, for hydrogen-based fuels for shipping as part of that strategy and also highlights the policy interventions and subsidies that could be used to overcome the price gap between the conventional fuels and these new hydrogen-based fuels. Similar types of strategies are, are being published apace in countries all across the world. We're seeing it in Japan, has been a, a leader in this field for, for years. Um, we're seeing it in Korea, we're seeing it in Singapore, we're seeing it in Australia, we're seeing it in, um, uh, in Latin America, in Chile, has a very, very big focus on a government level on on their sort of ability to to ramp up production of these types of fuels in future, and are looking to shipping as a key potential offtaker of these fuels. Um, so, so there's a lot of this is happening on land and not only on on the ships, and we can see um, a huge amount of traction there, which is which is very encouraging. The other thing that we're seeing in the context of the Getting to Zero Coalition is this willingness to collaborate. We have, as you've also noted yourself, is we have um, we have stakeholders and companies, not only shipping companies and and the sort of um, maritime sector companies, but we have energy producers and not just your traditional energy producers, but also some of those that might enter into the the new types of energy producers we might see in the future, be that Engie, Orstel, and others. We have um, the customers uh, on board. We have the banks and the asset owners uh, and asset managers on board. We have international institutions on board that support this kind of transition in developing and middle-income countries, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So there are all these different stakeholders that are coming together to work together 
across the value chain in order to make this transition happen. And that's that's part of what, what we find exciting and which also leads us to believe that 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 this transition can happen, notwithstanding the the speed of the work at the IMO. You rightly pointed out to the many ongoing efforts outside of the IMO and the, the more importantly, perhaps the collaboration that we're seeing among um, different companies and even different industries. And of course, the, the Getting to Zero Coalition represents a very concentrated effort to achieve its goal, uh, primarily to you know help with the development of commercially viable zero emission vessels by 2030. But, you know, we have seen, especially over the past year, a lot of other individual smaller scale initiatives be launched, whether it by, you know, whether it be by a few different companies collaborating or other more regional efforts. And looking at those, obviously, that's a very promising development in terms of it being a sign of where things are headed and where priorities are perhaps. But I'm wondering for a an industry as fragmented as this one, is there such a thing as as you know one too many initiatives? Should we be should this industry be trying to do things even more concentrated than than it has been? Or is it just a positive sign that all these companies and and organizations are trying towards a common goal? even if it's that even if it happens through different avenues honestly for us it's positive that shipping's decarbonization is is at the center stage and that we've and and that uh, that that there are uh, many working together in smaller or larger constellations to try and ob- achieve that that common objective for us that's only a positive of course we we've created an open platform and for us to build synergies, we think it's really important that knowledge is shared across different initiatives. And sort of to that end, uh, for us, the cornerstone of the Getting to Zero Coalition is to share the findings of the work that we do and the work of the coalition openly and be as transparent about everything that we do so that others can learn from what we're doing. And likewise, we can learn from what others are doing. So from my perspective, I don't I don't think there's a there's really a challenge there. I think it's a question of that. Um, there are different stakeholders that have a, a, a set of collaborators that really makes it useful for them to work together in a concerted way. As long as we're learning from each other and building on 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 the work that uh, each each different grouping does, I think that's that's useful. And 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 we also see within the context of getting to zero coalition that there are so many different knowledge partners and stakeholders that are involved that also have other types of collaborations, and they bring that the learnings from other collaborations into the work of the getting to zero coalition and vice versa. So that's that's only positive. I guess one of the things that irrespective of all the initiatives that are already underway and all the work that we're doing, I think the sector still probably underestimates the speed of the transition that we have ahead of us and how how fast it's likely to go. Um, in sort of in innovation circles, uh, there's a, often a lot of talk about sort of this this notion of an S-curve, where there is sort of an, an initial phase that's quite slow in, in any sort of a, in, in the uptake of or in any sort of transformation process. And but then in so many other sectors, and we've seen that in electric vehicles, we've seen that in, in the uptake of renewable energy, et cetera, uh, suddenly things start happening really, really fast. And I guess one of the things that we're trying to do with our initiative and that many others are doing with their respective initiatives is let's prepare for how quickly this transition can happen and make sure that we work together to 
to to make sure that we're we're, we're prepared for that uh, uh, and that we're really ready to step into that new future that we're trying to build for shipping. Um, I think the other thing that that in it, it's an expression of uh, these these different initiatives that are that are emerging and and that we're also a part of is that there are uh, rapidly increasing demands from lenders, as is expressed in the Poseidon principles, from customers, um, from governments, etc. Pressure will only mount on shipping over the coming years, and honestly, it's in the sh in the interest of everybody in the sector to be aware of that mounting pressure and and to to meet it with open eyes and and to me and and to welcome that kind of pressure because it's also it's an impetus for transformation and that's really what's required in this sector so well on, on that note uh i think we will uh, we will leave it here joanna thank you very much for your time and we look forward to seeing what the gmf will uh, accomplish next month thank you so much appreciate thank it you.